0: You are listening to Zeal Fear House. I am your host, David Murray, and I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. Her focus here is on our relationship with our Heavenly Dad and all aspects of His Kingdom, moving in greater intimacy with Him. Additional teachings, books, and articles may be found on my website at www.dwmurray.com. That's dwmurr dot Again, thanks for joining us, and let's get rolling with this week's broadcasting. Good evening, and thank you for joining us once again. This is David Murray, Zeal for Your House. I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers here at Blog Talk Radio. Dorothy, how are you this evening?
1: I am very well. How are you doing this evening, David?
0: I'm doing well. Um, uh, I'm excited about what we're going to be talking about tonight. I know I've been threatening to try to shorten the broadcast to make it easier for um, our listeners to to kind of break down and digest some of this, and um, so I've been spending a lot of time on it. And uh, in keeping with one of the things that I've shared with um, with our listeners. Um, about what the Lord is doing uh, in this hour is a return to unity, to um, our first love and to uh, true discipleship, true teaching. I talked about that you know right around the new year. Uh, I'm just um, getting quiet before the Lord and going through the different things that He wants uh, the body of Christ to begin having a, a deeper understanding on. And so tonight, what we're going to be talking about is the baptism of Jesus Christ, and what does that mean? How does it apply to our walk? Um, so I'm excited about that, Dorothy. Uh, we're just going to jump right into it. And, and, and guys, uh, what we're going to be talking about tonight, the baptism of Jesus Christ, what we have to understand is what that really means. So many things uh, that, that we have been taught or that we've, been, that we've heard, um, really, if, the, if, we don't, if we have a theology if we have a a doctrine, if we have a biblical belief or conviction, and we cannot clearly and readily define how that belief, what that doctrine as it relates to the Word of God um, has to do with us, has to do with the Lord. If we cannot very quickly and simply be able to relate a belief, a theology, a doctrine, uh, an aspect of apologetics, if we don't know how that is helping to push us into greater intimacy with the Lord, um, that belief system, that theology, that doctrine uh, is of really no value to us. It really isn't. Um, There are things in the Bible that I have questions on. Uh, There's things that... uh, I'm continually go before the Lord and I ask Him about uh, creation, uh, dinosaurs, aspects of the Earth, um, just to name a couple. Um, I find them very interesting, um, but I do not spend a tremendous amount of time on those things because if I cannot identify how that is going to draw me into hearing His voice, His heart, His mind, and His will, and ultimately His love for me. If I am not able to take that theology, take that belief, that understanding, and apply it so that I am experiencing his goodness and his love more intimately than I was without that understanding, then we have to examine. I need to examine what is the purpose of what I'm holding on to? What is the motive behind it? And so with all things that we're going to be talking about, all of them need to have application theology, as we've we've stated before, I've, I've I've shared with you guys before. Theology is meant to be a safe platform from which we engage the kingdom in experience. Theology, or or our biblical understanding of the kingdom, the laws, the rules, the principles of the kingdom. And how they are defined, how they relate to a certain topic in the Word of God is meant to be a safe platform from which we can explore the invitations that the Lord is constantly sending out for us to get to know his nature better. So that's the purpose of theology, guys. It's the purpose of understanding and studying the Word of God. It's so that it becomes a safe parameter that keeps us from deception and keeps us from um, our, the motives of our heart and our thinking in alignment with him so that we can pursue intimacy. We don't have to be afraid of deception, guys. Um, and, and let me let me back up. Let me explain that. The scriptures say that perfect love casts out all fear, and he who is who is in fear has not been made perfect or mature, complete, summed up, immersed in love. Okay. The Bible tells us we're only to fear one thing, we're to have a fear of the Lord. And this topic isn't about the fear of the Lord, because even that is a topic that we don't understand, and I guess I'll tackle that soon enough, um, what the fear of the Lord is, what kind of fear and reverence we're supposed to have of our Creator while calling Him Dad, while calling Jesus our brother and our Lord, while calling the Holy Spirit our intimate counselor, how to embrace that and yet have a fear of the Lord. But we'll get into that of the time, but we're not to fear anything. He who lives in us is greater than the deceiver. He knows how to sustain us and protect us and guide us. And all throughout the scriptures, from Genesis to Revelation, you see children of God who have off the beaten path, who got off track, who missed understanding God's ways and his intentions. And God was faithful to bring them around if their hearts were open. So we don't need to feel fear deception. We need to trust him and be willing to take an inventory of the mortars of our own heart because that's what guards us is our willingness to allow the Holy Spirit to train and correct us. And that's something that's been lost in the body of Christ. We do not trust him. We trust ourselves, and we trust ourselves from a carnal perspective where we're looking at things as our own ability to serve, guide, and protect us. It's a form of idolatry. Um, so without getting – what is my point of that? Why am I getting on that? Because, bringing it all back around, a lot of times we develop Um, convictions and embrace certain doctrines, right? Right now in this hour, um, the imminent uh, judgment of the lost, pre, mid, post-tribulation, Antichrist, we have have a, a, a slew of things that are the hot topics right now. And to be honest with you, I really haven't heard much in the way of discourse or dialogue from anyone who's discussing these things, really by and large. Uh, I won't make a sweeping generalization. I will make a broad one, though. Um, I haven't heard much topics that have helped the body of Christ glean from that how to draw into greater intimacy in his love and his heart, which is why he sent his son. The great redemptive plan, which started in the garden with the slaughtering of the first animals, covering the blood was shed to cover Adam and Eve, was the first symbolic act of what he was going to do through his son. The Lord has been rescuing, setting forth a rescue plan since Adam and Eve sinned. And if we are embracing doctrines or tuning into doctrines or people are sharing doctrines or convictions or or whether they want to call them prophetic words or whether they want to not call them prophetic but they're prophesying, it's really semantics. Um, We need to ask ourselves, what is this doing for my walk? How is this healing wounds in me? How is this ministering? to the fears and the lies and the bondage that I have been, or is it just really uh, helping us feel good and helping us compromise and come to a place of acceptance of our fears? So there's a lot of that's going on in the body of Christ in this hour. And, and, and so taking that full circle, the baptism of Jesus Christ, why do we even care about this? Um, why is it important? Well, one of the reasons is because uh, for many of us, we don't really at all understand what the baptism of jesus christ means we don't really we haven't really been taught biblically baptism in the scope of the nature of god and how if we understood this this is radically will transform our thinking so that's what we're going to be talking about today um we're going to move quickly through this we're going to attempt to to move fast through this and 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 give all of us time to rewind and replay and, and and meditate on these things um doctrines beliefs should be simple they should be they are simple principles that are meant to help us and engage a more intimate understanding and a more intimate application of our walk with our heavenly dad okay so number one um after that intro what is the true meaning of baptism first we need to understand baptism means to immerse okay the greek word if we look it up Uh, Baptism, it means to be immersed. It means to be completely submerged into something. That's vital. Before we talk more about baptism, we must first then understand that there were two immersions talked about in the Bible. There was the immersion of John, and there was the immersion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Said another way, there's the baptism of John the baptizer. There was the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have mingled and interchanged those two, and that's what we're going to divide today. The John the Baptist ministry was a a ministry of repentance. Water immersion under the discipleship of John the Baptizer was an outer work. It was an outward sign of turning from sin. The second one, the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ, is one of eternal life. It is an inward, inner work. One's an outward work or an outward sign. The other is an inner work. The more we understand, guys, what took place when we accepted Christ as the atonement for our sins, the more we will become kingdom aware. That's why this is important. Everything we study needs to point to the throne room. If it's not, it's a waste of our time by and large. Everything should be pointing us toward healing, healing the fracturing of our heart, our mind, our emotions, healing our body, strengthening our spirit, building our ability to interact in the kingdom. We're spirit beings. We have no business being more aware of this carnal world than we do of the spirit realm. Jesus interacted in the natural realm with a complete awareness as a man stripped of his deity living under the inspiration and guidance of the Holy Spirit with a complete understanding of what the Father wants to do. That is not meant to be complicated. I know we have been taught in, in church history that there's a select few individuals that, that are called to this. That's a lie, guys. You will not find that anywhere In the new covenant, under the old covenants, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, there were different covenants God cut or initiated that all were moving toward the ultimate covenant of Him dwelling inside every one of His children that receives Him. We must see everything from the framework of we have been redeemed and have the kingdom within us. We do not go to the other covenants that pointed toward the cross. We are living in the covenant of the cross, the new covenant, the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's super important. We need to become more kingdom aware, and um, that's what we're going to be talking about. The more we begin to grasp who we are in Christ, Christ, the more we engage the aspects of the realm of our Heavenly Father. The kingdom of God is a kingdom. It's real, guys it is not this just a cloud in the sky there's a government in the kingdom there's order there are principles all of these are founded and flow from the nature of god which you know we talked about god is love holiness comes from love judgment correction discipline comes from love the refiner's fire comes from love Everything is love. And, you know, so, and again, another error we've got thrown off is that God is love, so he doesn't, he's not interested in sin. That's a false doctrine. That's a deception that is meant to keep us from seeking his heart, from growing in intimacy with him. The other end of it is we just focus on sin, which is what this topic is going to be talking about. We become so sin aware that we're not focused on the throne. We're focused on the sin. We're focused on our own self-righteousness, our own abilities, also will keep us from interacting more deeply in the realms of the kingdom. So let's begin. Uh, above all things, we must see everything that we understand, every aspect of what we study in, within the backdrop of his love and his goodness toward his creation. Everything must be viewed in light of his love and his goodness. So let's start. Uh, in Matthew 3.11, John the Baptizer, or John the Baptist, he explains why he entered into that ministry. Water baptism was started with, the, was, well, I'm not saying other times in cultures they had different types of baptism. We're not going to get into that. We're going we're to talk about John the Baptist. He, he was the last Old Covenant prophet. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. you see that? John is alluding to the people pretty plainly. plainly. He's saying, my baptism, my immersion, is an outward demonstration to show that you are repentant. You're turning from self-righteousness. You are acknowledging the need for Messiah Yeshua. You are acknowledging you have need for the Christ to come. It was an outward action meant to acknowledge the condition of their heart. It was a turning. He goes on to say, there's one coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He will immerse you in the Holy Spirit. That's the inner work. Paul expounds on this in Acts 19. Uh, Paul had met you can read this. So the entire chapter of Acts 19 is a fantastic study in this. That's caused so much confusion. We don't have time to get into all of it. Um, but it, it, if we understand this baptism, it, it, that becomes clear. Paul is walking along. He's, he's going through Ephesus. He meets disciples of John. Okay, They were not born-again Christians. He meets disciples of John. They were baptized along with Apollos. Apollos was a disciple of John the Baptist. A lot of people don't realize that. Apollos was baptized by John the Baptist. Apollos had to accept the full gospel message, which is no, it's not just about repenting. It's about turning. Okay, you've turned from sin. You have to turn to the cross. You have to acknowledge the need for your Savior. You have to confess him. You have to receive him. So in, in Acts 19.3, Paul says, John's baptism, speaking to the disciples of, of of John, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. Meaning, what he was explaining to the disciples of John is Paul went and asked them, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And, and the disciples of John the Baptist, right, John's already been executed. Jesus has already been ascended. Right, Paul's full swing in, in his in his um, ministering the gospel, as are the other apostles. He meets them, and, he, and he, he, they start up a conversation, and they're discussing the good news. And John's uh, disciples say, we haven't even heard there's a Holy Spirit. And Paul asks, well, well then, guys, what were you baptized into? Meaning, you're, you, we are baptized into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So if you haven't received a baptism of the new life, what have you been baptized into? Because at the time, water baptism was a sign of turning. John's baptism, John's work, was an incomplete work in that it couldn't be completed until Jesus was risen from the dead. John's job was simply to point the way. He pointed the way by saying, guys, you need to repent. You need to turn. You can't earn salvation. The law kills. You cannot earn this. And so people would show that by going to the water and being immersed in the water. And Paul is saying, guys, that's great that you recognize you need the Savior. Now you actually got to receive him. So we see the distinction between the two different baptisms that are spoken about by John and Paul. There's the baptism, the outward sign of repentance, but the real important one that it pointed toward was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Guys, water means nothing in itself. Water has always been used as a type and shadow, right? That's a fancy word, right, for symbolism. You know, Bibles, schools, they, you know, we always like to type and shadow. It just means symbolism. Um, water is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Whenever you study water and in the different time frames, different covenants, it was a sim, it was symbolism of what the Holy Spirit being poured out upon us in the final covenant, the new covenant. That's what John's physical immersion was symbolic of. It was the immersion of the Holy Spirit that we would experience, guys. this is important. The moment our mouth confessed the Lord Jesus Christ and we believed in our heart, that He was raised from the dead, Romans 10:17. The moment we receive him as our redeemer, his righteousness is applied to us and we enter into the kingdom of God. We become immersed in the kingdom of God. That's the key here, guys. Many of us, the church, have not been taught what took place when we received Christ We've been taught to be focused on the baptism of John. Repent, repent, repent. Focus on the dead works. Focus on that, the, that, that, how unworthy we are. Now, don't get me wrong. Heaven is a gift. We didn't earn it. But we were given a gift that we are despising if we choose to relate to God under the Old Covenant. That does not please God. It's offensive to the cross. The mm-hmm. moment we receive Jesus as our Savior The Holy Spirit entered into us as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. When that took place, our spirit man became immersed, completely immersed in the Holy Spirit. That is the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been baptized. We have been immersed in the Lord, in his kingdom, in his nature, in his thinking, in his heart in his understanding, in his ways. We, our spirit man, is in constant communion with the kingdom of heaven through the Holy Spirit abiding in us. The more we tend to... Here's the cool thing, guys. Right now and for every second for eternity, forever, we are eternally immersed in his spirit. We can begin to draw our hearts and our minds on his heart and his mind that we're immersed in, or we can continue to draw upon the old baptism, the old man. That's a choice. Here's the key, guys we've been wrongfully taught that we must earn his presence. That if we sanctify ourselves enough, we will reach a level of perfection that allows us to experience his love and his goodness. Guys, this is a false doctrine. We do not earn the kingdom. It was freely given to us the moment we accepted Jesus as our atonement. Salvation is a byproduct of what was given to us at the cross. Jesus gave us his righteousness. The result is we've been reconciled to God. That, by definition... His salvation. We were saved from the eternal separation of God. We did not receive, please hear me in context, gang. We did not receive salvation to the cross. We received his righteousness at the cross, and the result of that righteousness is salvation. It is impossible to grab a hold of, to apprehend the doctrine of salvation Without discussing and understanding and embracing the doctrine of righteousness. Because salvation is the result of us being seen and having become the righteousness of Christ. And why why is this important? Well, think about it, guys. We have the Holy Spirit in us now. The kingdom is in us. We have 24-7. We have access to two kingdoms. We have the kingdom of this world, the dead man that we died to, and we have the kingdom of our Lord inside of us. The God of this world, the carnal-minded man, which we died to, the carnal kingdom, the fallen kingdom, is outside of us, guys. That is not in us anymore. What is inside of us is the kingdom of God. We get to pick and choose what will we want to draw to. We haven't even been taught that. That's why this is so important, guys. We've been taught, well, we're just wretched. We're bound under the old kingdom. We're bound under the sin nature, and we're bound. We have to keep, you know, baptizing, keep immersing our sin. Keep keep dying to our sin. No, guys, that's not that's not accurate. That's not what took place. Here's some scriptures. Romans six, three through five. Do you not know that all of us who were baptized or immersed, right? Remember, immersed, submersed. Do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Jesus Christ were back into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Guys, that is such a powerful statement of revelation, what Paul is saying to the born-again Christians in Rome. He's saying, guys, you were immersed through Christ. You died just as Jesus did to all the sins. Jesus died for all our sins. We died as a result of receiving his righteousness. We died to all our sins. Past, present, and future, that nature died to us. At the time, guys, water baptism was a common practice, and it still is, and rightfully so. As born-again believers, it's a public display of our beliefs. Paul is explaining to to these Romans that those who have accepted Jesus Christ and and were being submerged in water baptism, he's saying, guys, you have to understand what you're really demonstrating here. John's baptism was of repentance. That was Old Covenant. Now, as born-again Christians, as people that receive the righteousness of Christ, when we enter into the symbolic act of baptism, we're not acknowledging just the repentance of sin. We're acknowledging more so that we died to it with Christ on the cross. We died to sin. That's not who we were. If we read that again, you'll see it says, baptized into Christ, we were, past tense, immersed into Christ. All our sins were drowned in him. Guys, that's the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. We died to sin just as he died for sin. We entered into his immersion and his resurrection. Part B, Galatians 3.27 We received his righteousness and are clothed in his very nature. We went down under the water, symbolically. We drowned. We became immersed into what Jesus did, and we rose again a new man. Galatians 3.27, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, The new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Do you see that, guys? This is all past tense. Colossians 3, 9, and 10. This is one of my favorite. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. The Greek word, having taken off, is past tense. It means to strip and to renounce. In Colossians 3, 9, and 10, there's also a Greek word, enduo. It's to have put on. Again, it's past tense, and it means to clothe. So when we received Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit entered into us, He gave us the righteousness of God. We're holy and blameless. We died to the nature of sin. We were risen up with Christ. We were clothed in his righteousness. We were clothed with Christ. We are now immersed in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. We passed hence, stripped off and renounced the old nature, and we passed hence, were put on or clothed with him. So, again, why is this so important, guys? What does this matter? Here's why it matters, guys. Colossians 3.10 tells us that as our new, man, our new man is transformed by firsthand experiences with our Creator, we create choke points to these encounters in the areas that our thinking is not in agreement with His truth. The new man, which is who we are, is transformed. It experiences deeper realms of the reality of the kingdom of our Father. We experience those realities. We are transformed through firsthand encounters with our Creator. That's what Colossians 3 tells us. We we've so watered it down. When it says we are being renewed in the knowledge of the image of our Creator, that word knowledge is not the Greek word gnosis, which means facts. It is a Greek word which means first-hand encounters. It is superior to the Greek word gnosis. That's why this is important, guys. We cannot be kingdom conscious while we're being conscious to the dead man. It can't be done. James chapter 1 and 2 and John chapter 4 and verse 28 tell us that we're wasting our time when we attempt to do this. We're going to either serve the dead man that we die to that is no longer us. We can either shackle ourselves to him, drag him around and continue to have conversations with a dead person. Or we can draw to the kingdom because we have access to it. We've been immersed in Christ. We are immersed in the kingdom in our spirit man. We're spirit beings clothed in his nature, which is what has given us salvation. We draw either to one or the other. The more we understand who we are, guys, the more we understand that we've entered into his baptism, which means two things. We died to our sin nature. And two, his kingdom entered into us. And throughout the ages, guys, we've gotten caught up with the specifics of the ritual. We've gotten caught up with the specifics of the Old Covenant baptism. Is it sprinkling? Is it immersion? Uh, can you pour it on your head? Guys, the water immersion of John, arguing about the legalism of the ceremony, it doesn't. It, it is now only a symbolic act of what took place. If we're not drawing to the reality of what took place spiritually, if we're not drawing to the reality of the inner work, Focusing on the reality of the outer work is useless to us. It does nothing. Anything that we do, if we exalt the ceremony above the reality of our encounters, we've got it backwards. That's a form of legalism. It's a form of ritualism. Anything that we do symbolically is a reminder or an act of the reality of what we should Constantly, present tense, be engaging our energies in. Otherwise, we've exalted the ritual above the reality of the encounter. And there's no life in that. That's That's just religion. And he died for relationship. He died for intimacy. So, guys, in closing up, the more we grasp this, the more we will enter into greater intimacy. What does this mean? You know, I talk about intimacy so much uh, in, in, on, on the blog, on, on, on these broadcasts, uh, in, the, in the book, The Mind of Christ. I talk about intimacy. Well, what is it? Guys, picture feeling the presence of his kingdom around us. Picture feeling the presence of his love within our hearts. Picture feeling the rumbling of his power inside of us. Picture when we lay hands upon someone or we pray for someone. We get pictures of how God loves them and what areas of their life they're struggling with that God wants to deliver them from. Picture a a communion of open dialogue 24-7 where you are in constant awareness of the fire of his tangible presence, the completeness of joy and peace and love. As we draw to the reality, that, that is in us, guys. But our thinking, our soul is the gatekeeper. Our soul, before the fall, submitted to our spirit man. So the reality of the spirit realm flowed freely down through our soul. Our mind, our will, our emotions freely submitted and processed it. And our body just walked it out. We need to get back to that for intimacy's sake, not for self righteousness sake, not for good behavior's sake, or that he'll love us more. That's kind of garbage. We need to get back to that for intimacy's sake, for the sake of love, for the sake of why he died for us. And the more we begin to engage and meditate and dwell on that reality, we do what Paul admonished the, the apostle Timothy. A lot of people say Timothy is a pastor. I won't get into that. <laughs> we get into what Paul admonished, encouraged, exhorted fervently, Timothy, stir up the giftings that's within you. Guys, the more that we stir up what's inside of us, the more we begin to draw to what took place, what is the reality of the baptism of Jesus Christ. Guys, we were immersed. We are immersed in the realm of the spirit, we are spirit beings. Our souls just need to submit to that. Our souls can't be in charge, guys. We have to form our beliefs, our emotions, our, our thoughts, our intent, our will needs to yield to our spirit man because that's where the glory cloud is. The glory cloud is inside of us. The kingdom is within us. So... um, so that's it. That's, uh, I kept it. I'm pretty, I'm pretty pleased. It kept right around 35 minutes. Um, you guys have questions, please uh, shoot them out to me anytime. Everything, guys, just to reiterate, and Dorothy, before we, we, we sign off, guys, everything that we're engaging with in this hour, it doesn't matter what it is. Hot topics and points will come and go. They'll either come and go because we're flowing with the prophetic heart of God for this hour or it's just a distraction for us, and it's not the Lord speaking to us a pure word. Whatever the word that's being shared should be pointing us to greater intimacy, to feel his heart, and express his will in heaven manifested on earth. And number one at the top of that list, guys, as you know, is the Great Commission. If the body of Christ is not if we want to say, well, I'm, I'm in agreement with God's heart, I'm flowing with God's heart, the first test is where is your love for the lost? Because at one point, we was one. That were that was us. So if we do not have a growing, increasing passion to snatch out of the fire God's lost children, we have to seriously examine, and that takes courage before our Lord. Where is our heart? What are we listening to? What are we turning toward What are we tuning into? What are the desires of our heart? What is the desires? What is the intent of our belief system? Because if it's not matching what's on Father's heart, we're in self-delusion, guys. And he loves us unconditionally. There's no condemnation in that. In Christ, we're completely loved and accepted. But he doesn't want just our unconditional to know that we're unconditionally loved and accepted. That's meant to be a truth. Again, a platform from which with boldness we come before the throne of grace to look into his eyes, to experience communion with him, for him to share with us the things on his heart. That's who he can turn to us the way he did as he was leaving Abram and he said, Shall I not share with Abraham what I'm about to do? So, anyway, that's this week's. Dorothy, uh, anyone? Uh, phone in have any questions
1: no no questions okay no well questions. we're gonna wrap I'm sure up. They'll have questions after they listen offline you know that's how it works yeah i
0: get that a lot so. yeah i get a lot of follow-up with that and that that's that's great um and that's one of the one of the purposes of, of me trying to shorten down these um, these teachings is to allow uh, us brothers and sisters to meditate on His Word and on on some of the uh, the, the principles here, um, hearing it a couple of times if need be. A lot of these things the Lord's having to walk me through them many times, and I'm learning every day, guys. You know, our walk into greater and greater realms of the Kingdom and His glory is never ending, constantly growing in intimacy with Him. So anyone. <laughs> uh, all right, so that's the yeah. I'll have about that. I'll leave that alone.:
1: Yeah, so, Dorothy, walking you. into the reality of the kingdom is a big deal. I don't know if for those of you who did not pick up on that point in the teaching, when you come to the realization fully that the kingdom is the reality, you'd be yeah. surprised how much you grow from that point. It's like an explosion.
0: Yeah. Because Amen. then really you're not does. just
1: walking. Yeah. Yeah. You're just not just walking in this world, although you still are physically, but it, it's it's a whole new mindset, and yeah. it'll blow your mind. Yeah, I Things, think. Father, will reveal to you from that point. Just oh, the kingdom is the reality. Oh, got it. <laughs> Only took yeah. me 60 years, but yeah. I got it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, it's it's and and we begin to we begin to experience what the scriptures tell us we have. You know, I'll I'll have many people will 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 reach out to me and will say, well, the scriptures say that he who spared not his own son, that in Christ how shall he not freely give us all things? Well, I don't feel like I have freely have all things. I don't feel like I have peace. I don't have joy. I don't have abundance. I don't have uh, the ability to to lay hands on the sick to know what people are thinking, and, and that's not true. We have all of that in the kingdom, which is in our spirit, man. The problem is, is that we have been taught and encouraged in this generation to live out of our soul, and we have conformed and contorted the word of God to fit the doctrine of our soul, which has drawn upon lies and distortions and the Lord is just saying, hey, guys, it's, it's time to flip this around. It's time to live by your spirit, man. It's time to draw upon the reality of my kingdom. It's time to start identifying with yourself as a spirit being that has the presence of my kingdom inside of you. And it just starts with awareness. You know, it just starts with beginning to meditate on that. If we're more meditated on sin and death um, we're, our focus is off. We're not focusing on the reality of who we are. We can't have salvation, guys, without righteousness. It cannot be done because salvation is the byproduct of righteousness. So the first place we need to go to our belief systems, do I feel unworthy or do I feel like, praise God, Lord, I thank you. you. are. I can't even begin to grasp your love, Father, that you have made me completely loved and adored and acceptable. When you see me, I am the apple of your eye. If that starts to kick up junk in us, that is awesome. That means our soul is grinding gears with our spirit man, and one of them needs to give. We're meant to renew our minds according to the mind of Christ, which resides in us. And when I say us, I mean in our spirit being. We are spirit beings. So anyway, um, I'm going to wrap this up, or just want to drag you on and... and uh, I just want uh, the body of Christ, everyone, brothers and sisters, my family, to, to just sit on this and enjoy it and let it just wash over you. Give him permission to challenge your thinking and to ask him to give you the re- encounters the reality of his goodness and love. So when anyway, they continue on this theme, uh, we'll see where this leads us um, in the next week or two. And, Dorothy, you have a wonderful evening. God bless you. I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be praying for uh, your family. And I will catch up with you real soon.
1: Okay, you have a good evening as well, and Father, bless.
0: Thank you, Dorothy. You as well, and my brothers and sisters, my dear, beloved family, I love you guys. Above all, though, know your Heavenly Father loves you. Seriously, guys, more than we have any idea. Good night, Dorothy. Good night, everyone.
1: Good night, David. Father, bless everyone.
0: This has been Zeal Fear House. I'm David Murray and I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. We hope that you were blessed by this week's broadcast. Again, if this was your first time, please stop by my website at www.dwmurray.com. That's D W M U R R Y.com for additional teachings and insights. God bless you, and until next time, please dare to accept the fact that your Heavenly Dad loves you deeply. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.